0: In each episode, we will discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic from the business owner's or executive's perspective. We aren't necessarily telling you what to do, but we can put you in a position to make an informed decision on your own and understand when you might need help along the way. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Ware & Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia. Brady, we're sponsoring this podcast, which is being recorded in Atlanta for social distancing protocols. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast aggregator, and please consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. And uh, so today's topic is is another in our series of of COVID uh, survival uh, topics, and uh, but this one's going to be a little bit a little bit different, and 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 the the. The question really is actually a number of questions all rolled up and mashed up into one. And, and so the topic is, what are the decisions I have to make so that my business survives COVID, right? And, you know, by now, as we record this in, uh, in early June, and happy Father's Day in advance to um, uh, everybody who uh, is, is a father listening to this uh, podcast. And uh, you know, as we record this, we are now more or less in something approximating a recovery phase of this of, of this this pandemic, um, at a time also of of of, of tremendous social unrest and uh, and, and potentially change. Um, we're we're just in an environment now where um, there there is no textbook, there is no wise man or woman to tell us exactly what to do um, based on experience. It's all about kind of feeling our way through it. And so, you know, whereas most of our topics do address a, a high level strategic decision, the reality is that many businesses are not really in a strategic posture, right? I was, I was talking to our guest and our producer a little while ago as we were setting this thing up. And, 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 and we talked about you know, when, when you have a gun pointer, a loaded gun pointer right to your head, your thought process at that point is is not strategic. Your, your thought process at that point is not what is happening to my retirement plan or my 401k. It's, you know, how do I get out of this situation now, get out of the building? And we're going to figure everything else out at, at that point. Now, I understand that's a dramatic and it's a graphic image, but I, I do think that there's some... I do think there's some truth to that. and There is some relevance to that, um, but but we are now, you know, after after sort of uh, sort of huddling ourselves, at least certainly I was, away from uh, the pandemic, to reaching a point where we are kind of have our hands wrapped around the bars and shaking them, being asked um, or asking to be let out of our mass. House arrest. And now all of a sudden the doors come open with differing speeds depending on what state you're in. Um, state meaning geographic location. And you know, when that happens, I, I think to some extent we're we're, we're sort of the, the dog that catches the car or or what would happen if Wiley e. Coyote actually captured the roadrunner. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure he'd know what to do with it. And and so now this next phase is okay, you know what is this checklist? And, and you, you'll read a lot of stuff that talk talk about well, you know let some of your employees continue to work from home, and everybody's got to walk around like they got OCD and washing their hands all the time, and 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 creating distance between offices and cubicles, and 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 that's all well and good. It's important. There's plenty of information out there. We're not. There's nothing that we're going to add to it. But then, you know, as a decision-maker, you're now going to be faced with, with many, many micro-decisions, if you will, or even not so many mi- micro-decisions. But they're all tactical decisions, and tactical decisions can take on equal or superior importance relative to a strategic decision. And and so that's a long preamble to saying that if, if, if this episode seems a little bit different it is, and that's by design. And the reason is because when when you when you reopen your business and you expose yourself to the wide weird world out there, it's not about one decision anymore. It's it's really about probably ninety two, at least. Well, we're not going to go over ninety two decisions, but we are going to go over uh, probably about a dozen or so. And 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 hopefully that this will be something that. Our hope is that this will be something that that you can you can take pieces from and and uh, you know apply to your own situation as is you know what we try to do here on the decision Vision podcast and helping us work through this is is my friend Zahir Ladhani who is managing partner of velocity strategic consulting and, and Zahir brings more than 30 years of in the trenches experience with software as a service companies consumer companies services and human capital companies pharmaceutical companies, and, and management consulting. Um, he's a ve- As you'll hear, he's a very talented communicator, and he's a proven leader who's grown businesses and product lines and and was a key member of, uh, of an executive leadership team that led the sale of its company to a Fortune 100 uh, acquirer. Um, Zahir works with senior executives and leadership teams to scale up businesses by improving their discipline around people strategy, execution, and accountability for sustainable growth. He has worked with numerous clients in easing the complexity that growth often brings, allowing leaders to focus more time on building their businesses by leveraging transformative tools, processes, and principles. He holds a bachelor's degree in mathematics and accounting from the University of Waterloo in Canada, and a Master of Arts in International Relations from the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy at Tufts University in Boston, Massachusetts. Zahir, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Mike.
0: So, I'm going to ask you the question that I have to ask, or everybody has to ask every guest ever who comes on any program in the world, which is Are we in a recovery now? If not, when do you think it's going to happen? And are you on the V side recovery camp, or are you on the slow slogging recovery camp, or somewhere in between? So, Mike,
1: uh, I appreciate the introduction, and I am on the slow. Uh, recovery side. I'm not on the V recovery side. And I actually don't think we're in the recovery phase yet. If you look through what we've gone through, and I I look at this from a lens of three phases, we went through the lockdown phase where we were trying to flatten the curve. And some some parts of the country never flattened the curve when we've continued to grow it. But we decided to get into the second phase, which is the recovery phase, as you called it, but I think I call it the fight phase. We're going to go fight this, and then when the vaccine or a therapeutic is available, is when potentially uh, the full final phase of this comes in. So I think we're in this middle phase, which I call the fight, where the the infections and and, vac- and, 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 and the, uh, the 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 number of people uh, who, who interact with this disease will increase, decrease, increase, decrease, and we're going to see spotty places in the country, spotty places around different states and different parts of the state in different phases. So they're going to be brush fires we're going to have to put out around the country. If you look at why I say that and why I think it's a long you, until a vaccine is available, there, there is no surety of how we will fight this. There is so many unknowns about this this, uh, this COVID-19, that every other day we're hearing something new and we're learning something new. And so anything somebody's pro- forecasting, it's coming out to be different. And so I would say we plan for the worst and then hope for a better one and, and businesses work in that way. Look, people are saying there's a vaccine coming up, right? Normally vaccines take 20 years and now we've got prognosis that we're going to have a vaccine by the end of this year. I really hope we do and i know there're over over 150 candidates in the work and we're taking every piece of red tape out and we're trying to shorten the cycle as much as possible and we've got the best scientists we've ever had around the world working on it and and globally humanity has gained but sometimes things take time and 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 we hope we can get through this uh, but my my view is it's a long you with ups and downs as we go through it
0: you know it it it, it i think that your i think your observation is very smart that that the fact of the matter is we we don't understand everything there is about the coronavirus um and and the knowledge is evolving yeah. and you know it 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 reminds me I, I think i think coronavirus is sort of the eggs of the disease world and what i mean by that is is for years i think it's still going on is that is that doctors are telling us eggs are terrible for us, but now they have the right kind of cholesterol, so they're great for us. But then maybe that kind of cholesterol it has a limit, so they're bad for us again. And frankly, I I, I don't know. So I I I just eat eggs now and I roll the dice, right? But I mean, COVID is kind of like that, yeah. right? It is you know there, there's even some there's even some real discussion as to whether or not 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 just ideological but medical. As to again how necessary masks are, yeah, right, and 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 you know we we just don't know, and I'm not I'm not going to make a statement as to whether or not somebody should wear a mask or not, um, but 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 the fact of the matter is that w- whichever position is out there, there's plenty of there's plenty of information, and frankly, some good information that supports one way or the other, right? Yeah. So I guess maybe that I'm going to go right off the script here, um, and and that is. That maybe the first decision you have to make is, do I think it's a V recovery or a slow recovery, right? Because if I think it's a V recovery, then the other things we're going to talk about today may have a different answer or a different spin to them, as opposed to if if I think this is going to be a two year two year recovery, say that you know the Fed thinks is out there. Is, is that is that fair too? or Am I making too much of it?
1: No, you know you're not making too much of it. But my 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 pushback would be if you make a decision that it's a, a V recovery, what are the decisions you'll make in your business? And what if it's a V? It, 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 it's a U recovery. What would happen to you? Plan that out and forecast, and then do that. If you work towards a U recovery, forecast out that what if then it's a V? Which one gives you the higher probability of survivability? And my supposition to you would be plan for a U hope for a V you have a better chance of success versus you plan and act on a V and it becomes a U you see where I'm going and so I do
0: and and then okay. to that to that end too and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later we may very well have a W kind of recovery
1: yes and, and if you look at the stock market and, and the day we're recording this the stock market was way up and then yesterday dropped and this morning uh, it just started to go back up again. Like, I think we've got to be cautious and not get carried away with the fad of people jumping up and down and most people starting to get out there uh, in what you see in a very quick manner. Think of it a little bit of a longer term because of the unknowns. One of the biggest things of this is the unknowns that we have is the thing we need to keep in mind.
0: So how do I, if I'm a, and I am a business owner, I'm a shareholder in my company. So how do I assess my own company as to one that's that's likely to recover as opposed to one maybe that that isn't likely to recover? So I think
1: um, you've got to do the scenario planning around the you. And so what I recommend to my clients is do um, a scenario planning that says you will have a 20%, a 50%, or an 80% drop in revenue over the next year and a year and a half, and then do your net income and a cash flow on those three scenarios. Do you put your expenses towards the 50 to 80, and run your business, and go forward with that uh, with that planning phase. And that will give you as much opportunity to survive as possible. The other thing you need to do is conserve cash as much as possible and and, and, and reduce any frivolous expenses or even potentially some expenses that you just are nice to have versus need to have. And that will ensure. Now, the next key thing you need to do is what we're seeing in COVID is a lot of trends that were happening pre-COVID have accelerated. And- what you want to do is how do you evolve your business to get on those trends and make sure your business is essential in getting on those trends? And we can talk more, um, I'm sure, when you get to that level. Um, you
0: know, that 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 80% drop in revenue, that's a jarring number to me, right? I mean, I understand where you're coming from. You're, you're to, to me, that says an absolute catastrophic business scenario. Um, I mean, realistically, how many businesses can survive an 80% drop in revenue for any period of time? Depends on their uh,
1: cash reserves and depending on their things they have, right? So I'm not suggesting that will happen. But would you rather do a pre-mortem or a post-mortem on your business? And so we're asking people to do a pre-mortem. Which visualizes where you will be. So therefore, before you get there, you can avoid that, right? If you know what will happen if you if you get to an eighty percent, then you start to think, what are some of the actions I do need to take today? And then we start to talk about the customer, who are our customers? How we retain them? How do we become essential to them? How do we go after different other customers and go capture them? What is the evolution of our business we're doing? We have a client in Atlanta who has restaurants and. They evolved from. They were never a delivery. They were never a takeout service, and this is nothing new. But they've figured out an interesting way of doing delivery and 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 takeout service, which a lot of restaurants have done, and nothing uh, shiny. But if they hadn't been ahead of it, they could have they could have been impacted right by that uh, thing. One,
0: yeah. So, um, so we talked about expense management. We talked about cash management. What are a couple of other specific things that, that businesses should be looking at to make sure that they're in the survival group and and not in the not survival group?
1: I think what you want to do is in your customers that you have today, you want to be close to your customers and understand what they're going through. And before they react to you, when, if you're close to them, you will know where they're going. So because you're starting to predict how your business is going to impact. And you figure out how you become essential to them. As soon as you start to get hints and ideas that you may not be kept on, you need to start to see what uh, businesses you need to evolve to. I've had a client who uh, was in a particular business and they figured out there was an adjacent business that they could evolve to. They were never in that, but d- due to COVID, it was a revenue stream and it was bringing in cash and they added that onto it. And move that on and it, it became a great revenue stream for them
0: you know that that essential nature i i think is a really important point and, and um a former guest on on this program rod burkert has been uh has been preaching to people in my profession in business appraisal um to figure out how do they turn themselves from a vitamin into medicine
1: mm-hmm.
0: right that nice to have should have versus something that That makes pain go away, right? That that is truly essential. Right. And um, you know, it's it's candidly, it's it that can be very painful thinking because what if what if you sort of look at your business in the cold, hard light of day? You're just not medicine, right? Your business model has been built on selling vitamins, right? Your GNC, Mm -hmm. for example, right? You cannot convert to a drugstore overnight. You are in the vitamin business. And that's where you're going to stay. Mm-hmm. And and so maybe one of the decision points then is not only, even before you get to, how do I make myself medicine? But is that even realistic? Right. right. And maybe that gets down to the, that gets to the, the pre-mortem, the 80% drop in revenue. Right. right. I'm going to have to scale my business to a, you know, the world will still need vitamins and still want some vitamins and vitamins don't go away. Right but but clearly now they're taking a backseat to they're taking a backseat to the medicine I guess
1: exactly and what you do also is look at the trends covid is causing do know that every time we've had a major event in the world be it the depression be it the 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 oil crisis in the 70s be it the 2008 we've never reverted back and there's a new norm that happens. And what is the new norm that would happen post this? And we're starting to see some trends of this. And can you uh, evolve or pivot? I'm trying to resist using the word pivot, but can you pivot towards that addition to your business and move away from some of these businesses? Like I would say, look, if you're a retailer, if you don't have an e-commerce strategy or a digitization strategy, right? You better be thinking about this, right? Because the demise of retail has been, And I'm not saying it's going to go away, but I think it's been precipitated. And every business, be it a doctor, an accountant, or a lawyer, should have an e-strategy because what have we done in the last eight weeks or something? We've moved to telehealth in the fastest way possible when there was so much resistance from the hospitals and the doctors. And now overnight, we're speaking to our doctors and doing telehealth or teleappointments. Now we're going to be used to it as consumers. Now my doctor better have that service available because I may not want to go and wait in that waiting room. I can get it done uh, through my laptop.
0: You know, spe- and speaking of retail, you know, I got to tell you, I love the curbside service. You know, this microphone that I have now that uh, John, our, our producer, begged me to get because the other one made me sound so lousy. Um, it is you know, I, I, I barely slowed my car down, and I just chucked the thing in the back of the you – know, I, lo- I lowered the window – And like in a football passing drill, they just sort of chucked it through. Right. I mean, that was great. I love that. I mean, I, even, even if we kill coronavirus tomorrow, I hope they don't get rid of that because, you know, saving the time of even even having to park and get out of the car and walk in. Yeah, I get it. I can walk in. I get it. I feel like I want to be treated like Cleopatra and they sort of, lift me up on, on one of those thrones with the, the servants carry you around town and stuff. But I love that. Right. I, I, frankly, I'd pay a premium for that. If somebody said, you know, if, if, if I bought a, a $50 item, you got to pay two more dollars to have the thing put in your car for you. Yeah, I'm in. Um, so you're right. I mean, I think there are some emerging business models and we're not even close. We're not even close to being there yet. I cannot imagine what's going to happen in education. Um, you know um schools schools are not opening and when they do most a lot of the students aren't going back unless uh, unless there's no other choice i think no i Um, hear
1: you our school is sending us uh, information saying what will you do with your child and my response back would be you tell me what safety precautions you're taking right so make that decisions
0: accordingly." Yeah. yeah um so so you know a fascinating thing has happened now it's a lot of this, I think, is now going away, but it could come back um, if we go into a W-shaped recovery, which I think I think there's a good chance that will happen. I don't think it's dropped dead, but I think it's a good chance. How did businesses survive just not being able to operate for three months? And what lessons do you think businesses are taking from that so that if we do go into a second trough that that they can survive that second, that second halt.
1: I think in the first instance, a lot of businesses were caught um, by thinking it's going to be a short-term close, and I think the government acted very, very quickly, and the and the all the incentives and money that came through and the speed that it came through helped the companies. I think businesses are learning to conserve their cash now even more than they were before. And even consumers are learning that. What we're hearing in some reports that consumers are really not spending as much money as we were. Our bank accounts seem a little bit inflated because we've been sitting at home. And and, and so we seem to have some extra dollars in our bank balances and businesses are that. I think businesses have learned to conserve cash. Some businesses moved a little slow in cutting expenses. Now I think they're being cautious in increasing them back. So I think businesses are learning from this and will not revert back to the old days. I've heard companies and CEOs tell me, I'm not bringing my travel budget back to the norm it was. I'm not bringing my people back yet uh, to the offices, right? And so I'm going to keep my uh, non-essential expenses uh, down. Now, you go to how long can they survive? I think that's a predicament on, on the business and the, and, the, and, the, and the amount of money. We've got rent abatement going on. That leaves in July. We've got many things that are the shoes about to drop in August, July, August, September, and we're going to have to watch what happens to those businesses then and how effectively they work. We've seen very large chains send letters to their uh, landlords and saying, we need uh, rent abatements and we need you to work with us, right? One of the largest chains out there in the world has sent that letter and they're asking for those for a long period of time, not just till now. And I think businesses need to do that. The other aspect is I love using this is the old military strategist right Colonel John Boyd used the, the ODA um, uh, meaning ODA, right? You observe what's the situation around you. Orient yourself and then decide and then act quickly. And when you act, you start observing again, you orient decide and act. And it's similar to John Collins or Jim Collins' view around, and I hate to use this, but Jim Collins' view of before you act, throw some bullets before you fire your cannons, meaning find your target with a few bullets. And, and I would ask businesses, as they're evolving and trying to survive this, you need to evolve. You can't just stand still. And as you evolve, you want to test and fail fast, learn fast, and keep testing and be a testing organization because this is an evolution and we're going to have to evolve. You can't stay the same and you can't stay stagnant.
0: You know, I, I, I need to ask another question. This is not one that we would really talked about, but I, I know you can catch up to the fastball here. And and again, our producer, John, is going to love this question. And that is, how do you navigate pricing in this environment? And, and what I mean by that, you know, and, and you know, a, f- a friend of mine, who I also happens to my, be my dentist, um, you know, was 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 talking to me about what it's going to take to reopen his practice, right, and start filling cavity cavities and drilling and doing whatever else it is that dentists do, right? Um, you, you 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 cannot deliver those services for the same price today that you could ninety days ago, right? Um, you know, my wife just went to the dentist, and, and and they had face shields and two masks on at the same time, and they're, you know, I'm sure they were also sterilizing the thing, like they were using some sort of disinfectant, like those those old sort of pump operated uh, DDT and yeah. insecticide things they used to have in, in the old time cartoons, right? Um, but at at, at the same time, there are, there are other businesses that are desperate. Actually, let me go back. You know, restaurants, um, you know, I, I, I ventured into a restaurant last week for uh, for some some takeout and, you know, half the tables are gone, you know. So now they've got half of their serving capacity, but they've got the exact same overhead they had 90 days ago, right? The way the math works is that their prices must go up, you would think, right? Maybe not. So um, and on the same token, you know, if you're if you're an attorney right now and and a lot of some legal services are considered medicine, others are considered vitamins, right? Maybe you're considering lowering your prices for a minute, uh, because you just want to sort of get work in the door. Right. And I can't even imagine what airlines must be doing. Their pricing, their pricing mechanisms have been so Byzantine anyway, what what they're doing now has got to be some form of calculus. Um, and I'm talking too long, but like, because I'm thinking, but I'm thinking about this question kind of in real time. I mean, how do you, how do you think about pricing in this kind of environment? Is and do you agree that's a really critical micro decision or decision that a business has to make as they reopen here?
1: It's 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 a very 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 important decision. And and I would first want to take something off the table when you talk about pricing. You most companies have very good core values of their business. And some of them call for integrity. Some of them call for, we'll take care of our customers. Some of them call for, we do what's right, et cetera, et cetera. So number one thing I want to take off the table is this is not the time to price gouge, Right? And, and, and every, if, if, if you're a leader who's thinking, I'm going to take advantage of this, look, this is a time for your values to be in action. We as human beings are naturally good people. Live those values and be a good human being. So do take that take that part out of the question. Not so you're saying I should take problem. that.
0: You're saying I should cancel that hundred dollar per Lysol can auction off of eBay. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> okay, right? like, I'll, I'll a, do that as soon uh, as we're done. Uh, uh, and, and so next one I would come is in at, at any time. How do you develop your price? You develop on your cost, You look at your competitor and you look at your market dynamics, right? And what the market's willing to bear. However. If you just do it like the old way, and yes, you bring your costs in trying to make it, you need to decide in this world will the consumer come and is a competitor going to figure out a different way? As you rightly said, will they figure out a a competitor figure out a very cheap way? And this is the time for businesses to be disrupted. And especially if you're an accountant or a lawyer, there's an e business. I'm sure there's an e-business out there that's about to disrupt all the accountants and lawyers out there, right? And other service providers. For and so sure. you increase your prices, you've got to figure out your strategy where you how you manage the cost. If you go down to the dentist side, you've got to look at how you cut your other overheads and stuff. Because sometimes people may just say, "I, don't, I want to do, not do my clinic in six months. I'm going to delay for twelve months, right?" And then go down that way. Unless it's hurting and I need really my filling done and it's killing me, it, it becomes essential. Then if you gouge me, you know, I'm not coming back, right? I'm going to find somebody else the next time because that trust will be broken forever. So it's a very dicey situation. And this may not be the time to increase your margins. It may be the time for your survivability to continue the revenue while not losing money, yet not increasing the margin business is where I would be today.
0: So, um when we talk about pricing then, and we're, we're touching upon this now said this is a good segue into the next question which is you know um we've talked about expense management let's talk a little bit about about the sales side and and let's let's talk about i want to talk about observing what your competitors are doing and mm-hmm. and you know, one of the things one of the things that really interests me about this this period of time is is you know i'm, I'm trained as an economist and economists have a favorite term called revealed preferences, which means that, you know, people, people say whatever they want, but if you want to find out what people actually care about, look at how they act and look how they spend their money. Yep. Right. And the fascinating thing about this, this, this time from a from an economist's perspective, is the revealed preferences and and people's tolerance for risk. Right. At the end of the day, you know, I, I think the decision of where you, whether you wear a mask or not, I, I think boils down to a revealed preference of risk, right? Yeah. And, and and so why does this relate to competitors? Because, you know, talking about pricing and talking about how you become more efficient, I think there's another lever to that, which is what if my competitors are comfortable taking more risk than I am, Right. Maybe they're, maybe they're going to, maybe the, the restaurant down the street is going to cram people maybe six inches closer and get a couple more tables, right? Or, or they're going to, I don't know the business well enough, but I think you get my point is that, is that you know, out of, out of desperation or they, they think they're being clever, but they're not. Um, or they, you know, they just, they just simply have a higher risk tolerance. Um, you know, competitors are going to do things. Some competitors will do things that other businesses wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable with, and but then they're going to have to make the decision: do I do I mimic the risk profile of my competitor because I don't know, or or, or do I use that as an opportunity to differentiate myself somehow? And and how do I do that in, in a way that that is you know, civil and appropriate. So
1: I I would put it, I would answer it with a nuanced way is one, it depends on the market you're in and the risk tolerance of your consumer. And you let your consumers risk tolerance also help you make that decision. Because if you're in a risk tolerance level where the consumer is looking for the safety at the highest level, then you want to be careful because then you won't get those. But if you're in a market where the consumer is willing, now, do you go there and take that risk tolerance because of your competitor? I would say also depends on what you're looking for. Is it a short-term gain or a long-term gain? And, and, and I go back to your values. And as an organization's values, that would you be willing? When, when companies develop their core values, one of the questions I ask them is, are you willing to take a financial hit to live your core values? Then only are you sure about your core values. Otherwise, they're just words, yep. right? And well, that, this that's revealed
0: time. preferences, right there. There you go. Right? And this is the time that
1: that core value is being tested. If it's isn't your core values to go that risk tolerance, yes, go. But if you stated to your employees that this is how we'll behave and this is who we are, and all of a sudden at a time of crisis you evolve, you think your customers are gonna, your employees are gonna believe you <laughs> as life goes on, right? And trust is broken. Um, so I would think, be be living true to who you are and don't change is a very key thing. Now, do you evolve with the market? Absolutely, but you've got to decide on that uh, on that uh, mechanism and that.
0: So we touched on this a little bit, but I want to come back and hit it explicitly. Is that is that let's let's assume let's assume that this is in fact going to be some sort of W-shaped recovery. In fact, there is a possibility that that COVID is just with us for a long time, right? There's there's no guarantee that we'll find a silver bullet vaccine. It could be partially effective like the flu. It could be completely effective like against portfolio, like portfolio, the polio, or it could be something entirely different, right? Um, How do we, how, how do you think, how do you think a typical business or how are you advising your clients to prepare for, a world that may that may very well be sort of on again, off again, on again, off again.
1: So we're, we're continuing, the, you know, I initially said the postmortem, the idea, we're continuing to do that. So in the past, before COVID, we would develop a three-year strategy and then develop a quarterly, uh, annual plan and a quarterly plan and reassess it every quarter. Now we're actually going in and assessing our strategy every month because things are changing so fast. And sometimes we do it more often, or because there's a necessity to do that, and, and, and there's a crisis coming. So we we recommend to our clients have a quarterly, re, or sorry, monthly review of your strategy, monthly re-review of your forecasts, not just your uh, profit and loss, but then take it to a cash flow level, and actually weekly or bi-weekly, let's look at our cash levels, and and we continue to evolve that. We don't get exuberant when sales go up. Or revenues come up as this V or W or a squiggly line continues. We stay cautious, and you can see people start to say, "Okay, we're back. Let's bring these things back." And we always become the the naysayers to the organization. Said, so "Let's put the what if we're going to go down until you see a major long term trend. Let's let's keep to this level and continue to evolve, because do know we're not going back. There will be a different world that we're living in and it'll continue. And especially, Mike, as you said, if this is going to be a long-term fight level, we're going to be a whole different uh, type of people in how we live. You know, it's acceptable for me and you to meet and talk with masks on now, which, you know, eight weeks ago, we would have never done that. You know, we'd have sat... They
0: they wouldn't have let you into most places of business with a mask. (laughs) True. Right? Right? I mean, can you imagine going into a bank right now? (laughs) right? I mean, now it should, or really 90 days ago, right? You know, now it's expected to go in with a mask, right? But if you did that 90 day, 90 days ago,
1: you'd have yeah. been stopped at the door. Exactly.
0: <laughs> um, so it will be interesting to see if there's some sort of, of facial recognition technology that somehow accounts for masking. Yeah. Um, so we, we've talked mostly tactical, but I do want to draw back a little bit and, and, and get into a little bit of a strategic discussion. Yeah. And, 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 And that is, um, you know, it it could be tempting, I think, should be tempting, to use the current environment as an opportunity to expand, right? Money is is as close to free as it's ever going to get. Um, The government, by hook or by crook, and I'm not going to comment on what I think the soundness of the policy is, but the fact of the matter is that they're they're knocking us over the head and stuffing our pockets full of cash, right? They want our po- They want us to have cash, um, and and it would be tempting them to sort of take that cash, or or go after free or very close to free money, and borrow, maybe with the goal of expanding or maybe renewing your your um, your your technology, your production capabilities. What do you think about that? Is that a temptation that a lot of companies should give into or do you think most companies are going to resist it?
1: My gut says no. It's counter- No, they're res- going to resist it? Res- I- I'm telling my companies don't, don't do CapEx right now. This is not the time to invest money in your business. Meaning don't take on more debt. Conserve cash, conserve your expenses. I may be an anomaly but, but this is like no other time we've seen in recent history of business history. We just don't, the thing is, we just don't know what's going to happen. You know, normal sorry, crisis, the short term is known, the long term is not known. In this crisis, the short term is not known, right? And so it's such an anomalous time that what will you do with that capex? So now let me then nuance it further. If your CapEx is for normal expansion and you do your normal IRR and all that, I would say no. If your CapEx is going to reduce your short-term expenses, which I know there's a couple of businesses out there that are reinstalling their telephone systems from the copper wire telephone systems and their monthly system costs are much lower. Hmm. Now, that's a different discussion, Right. So it's a nuanced answer. I had a a very good friend last night call me and said, I want to upgrade my software in my retail business. And we went through this analysis with him, actually. And the end decision was yes, because now this new software was enabling him to go do delivery, which his old system was not. And his staff was having to do manual work to do delivery. That cost-benefit made sense. So it really depends... Don't, it's not the cheap money, it's what the efficiency and the new business opportunity you're able to do and the revenue increase you're expecting from it, then it's a big difference. Yeah. So it's not cheap money is cheap, let's invest because we have it. I would be very, very resistant. I'll give you an answer. When COVID started, I had a luxury car. I actually took it back on the beginning of March, just before the lockdown happened. And, and as a personal business, I said, do I need to conserve cash? I I, I had my cash reserves but I felt that I need to even conserve more in case this is longer than I'm anticipating. Right. And so even a small business like myself, um, I I, I kind of drank my own
0: Kool-Aid. Um, now let let me, let me come back to you. Let's, one of the, one of the things that I think is going to increase that temptation is the capital equipment sellers for the most part, computers are different. Um, but I think just out and out machinery because they they just want, they just need to get inventory out the door are going to come make me coming back and saying, Hey, look, we're going to offer you a once in a lifetime 40% discount or let you finance a thing over 19 and a half years. You know, we're, we're, you're going to, you're going to see some, some pricing. And I'll bet you when you return that car, right. They they probably tried to entice you to keep it with some special financing one time deal. Right. So, um, is there any point at which at, at which you might be talked into the CapEx that, or that commitment because, because that price is so attractive and you think two years from now, you are going to have to make that expenditure anyway, so why not take advantage of it now?
1: If it's for the same business I'm doing,
0: I would resist it again. Go if
1: ahead. it's adding more services and opportunity of business that I don't do now and it helps me... Add to the trends that i'm seeing and it gives me a new revenue opportunity then it's i'm looking at it But I would be very resistant on if it's the same business. It's just a good deal right now I'm very very cautious and maybe i'm too uh conservative in that way, but i i'm still very cautious on the short term
0: so Um, we don't have much much more time unfortunately, but there's a lot more we we could talk about but A question I want to I want to work in here Is is about talent? And given what you said, I, I think I can anticipate your answer, but I don't want to assume. You know, I, I'm guessing that probably goes the same for hiring talent, too. And I'll give you an, an example. A resume was sent to me um, uh, by, by a friend of mine for an individual in my industry that's looking for a job. Is fantastic qualifications. Um, you know, that person probably would not be available but for this recession that's going on um and it would be very tempting to try to hire somebody opportunistically but the business case the business case would be very thin it'd be a very speculative hire so i don't think that we're gonna we're gonna proceed with that um but but you know what what do you think about that because i think a lot of companies are going to see opportunistic hiring opportunities where they may feel like they're getting access to talent they would not ordinarily have um is that do you think about that the same way as you think capex as well or is, is there a different thought process that goes on there
1: this one is slightly different yeah. um, when you're doing your 80% and, and 50% scenario planning one of the aspects i miss saying was your own talent identify your own key a players and once you identify them let them know you know they're your a players even though they don't have a place to go today but the, the better the player, the more love they need. Give them the love. Show them the love. Because they're the ones who are going to come up with good ideas for you. So that's point one. Hmm. Now, in your rest of your organization, if you have B and DC players, and there's A player talent available, I would swap it.
0: Okay. So, I so instead look- of adding, you'd upgrade.
1: I would upgrade, and I would say this is the time companies can upgrade because there's going to be amazing A players available. Un, unfortunately for them, yep. but, but as more and more companies have difficulty, as we say, I, I think third and fourth quarter is going to see many, many companies, and and so A players will be available. I would say upgrade, and when I say upgrade, I say your B C players. When you swap them out, do it with the most dignity. And let them move on with dignity, with living your core values. That's also very important. But this is the time to upgrade, absolutely.
0: Zaire, this has been a great conversation. Um, we've got we've, we've covered some really good nuggets and really specific nuggets too, which is something I'm trying to do a better job of, as uh, as I do the interviews for these podcasts. Um, I'll bet you listeners are writing down a lot of questions. How can people contact you? for more information or if there's a question we did not cover they want um they'd like your insight on them
1: sure so they can call me on my cell phone uh and, and my contact number is 610-453-8461 identify that they heard you're in my podcast and, and go from there or look me up on linkedin um or email me and we'll put that on the uh on the podcast uh catch up and they can they can email me and and if they reference that they uh heard us this and and from our podcast we'll go from there
0: Happy to do that. Why, why don't you give us your email because somebody may not go to the show notes necessarily. If they're driving in their car, jogging, then they want to just hear it.
1: Sure. It's Ladani. so Z-L-A-D-H-A-N-I at velocitystrategicconsulting.com.
0: Very good. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today's program. I'd like to thank Zaheer Ladhani of Velocity Strategic Consulting so much for joining us and sharing his expertise with us today. We'll be exploring a new topic each week, so please tune in so that when you're facing the next executive decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us so that we can help them. Once again, this is Mike Blake, our sponsor Brady Ware & Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast.